Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here with us as well. Um, Back in 2019, 2019, there was a study done by Weber Shandwick. There are people who do studies, so they're helpful, because then I can tell you about it. Um, They found that 98% of Americans stated that incivility is a serious problem. Back in 2019. While 68% agree it's reached crisis levels, from cyberbullying to hate speech, workplace harassment, demonizing political language, verbal abuse and intolerance, the vast majority of us, 87% of Americans, no longer feel safe in public places sharing our opinions. That's across the board, Americans, that's how we feel. Like some of us probably have felt that at times. Um, you know, we kind of sense this. I mean, I do. I'm sure some of you have as well. Like it almost feels like we've reverted back to middle school antics. And that's kind of even disrespectful to middle schoolers. Because like even they probably aren't as extreme as we are. You know, we, we, we live in a world that is filled with a lack of peace. And the question for us as followers of Jesus is like, what do we do in a world that is lacking peace? In a world that sometimes it can feel like uh, it just, it's just a matter of a moment before someone goes off on you. I remember... Um, uh, as a high school freshman, I think I was, we were on our way, we got in the bus, and we were on a uh, a field trip, trip, and that was exciting, because we got to get out of school, um, but I was sitting next to a gentleman, I didn't really know him very well, I knew him a little bit, um, and uh, I'm a jokester, and we were joking, but then he didn't take it as a joke, and was very upset, and um, spewed disrespect at my, uh, at me, and it, you know, it was just one of those moments where, like, even though it happened back then, I can still remember it. To today, I can remember what I felt. I don't remember exactly the details of what was said or anything like that, but I remember the escalation. And, and some of us, when we've been disrespected at times, like none of us like that, right? And when we're disrespected, it can oftentimes be a trigger in our mind that goes back to a moment where we were insulted, disrespected, slandered of some kind. And, and we can remember those things that those people said about us. A lot of times we go back to back in the day when we were younger um, and those things stuck with us, we, we start to remember what those people said to us and it, it plays like a track on repeat, like the same song each just gets done and it goes again. It's the narrative that never ends. And we start thinking about and remembering what those people said, like, you're weak, you're no good, you're never going to make amount to anything. Well, like whatever it was for you, we start to remember those things and then we have a choice. What do we do in response when someone slanders us or insults us and disrespects us? Because if we all agree that incivility is on, is, is dwindling, then, then we're going to experience more moments where people are uncivil or, or maybe even hate, like hatred. And, and a lot of times this can even happen simply because of our faith. And, and, and here's what some Christians who profess the name of Christ have decided in a world like this, where it's just so uh, extreme and polar opposites and filled with vitriol and anger. Some of them have decided, you know what? No longer am I going to pay attention to what Jesus said. 
about what we should do with, with maybe our enemies, you know, love those who persecute you and, and even pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies. Like we've decided, you know what? No, this is kind of the, the path they've decided is, you know, if, if the world wants to fight me in the way the world wants to fight, then I'll go ahead and fight them in the same way. And, and, and we've, we've decided, you know what, instead of um, uh, embracing people and meeting them where they are and, and, and giving them truth and grace at the same time, just like Jesus did with us, we're going we're gonna to put up our dukes and, and, you know, kind of buy into the idea that maybe the best thing that some people could use is just a, a punch in the, in the face in the name of Jesus. You know, literal or metaphorical. Um, and so if, if that's where you are, if that's where you've kind of landed, maybe in your heart of hearts, maybe you've never articulated it that way, but if that's kind of your posture and your bent, then, then I, I just have to say, like, anything I say today is not going to change that. It's not going to change you. The Holy Spirit's going to have to do some work inside of your heart. Because here's the reality. This is what Edwin, Edwin Friedman said. The colossal misunderstanding of our age is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. Like if you already decided that I'm right and everyone else is wrong, that Jesus is just, you know, it was a different time. What he's saying, you know, it, we're past that point. We're past that point. We need to just, you know what, we get rid of that stuff and we'll just fight in the way the world will fight. If that's you, then understand any insight I give you, it's not going to change the way you feel. The Holy Spirit's going to have to do a work inside of you. But for the rest of you, who are saying, yes, I want to still follow Jesus. Yes, even though when he shows me and calls me to things that, that maybe seem backward, maybe seem like they don't make sense, maybe they seem upside down, uh, I still want to follow him because he's my king. He's my Lord. And I think he's got what is best in mind and he knows how to go about things in the best way. So if that's you, then, then lean in because we've got some things to see what Jesus said. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 10. And this is really important for us to see. Because, because we need to be prepared for what he's going to talk about. This is what he says. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We're going to get into 11 and 12, but we'll, we'll stop here for now. Blessed, blessed. You want to be blessed? Here's how you be blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Oh, you're so blessed. Bless your heart. Um, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That does not make any sense, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Yay. For, for righteousness. Because, you know, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. All of these beatitudes that we've been looking at have been kind of backward, kind of upside down, kind of not make sense, right? But none more than this one. None more than this one. Like, okay, Jesus, like, I was following you. I was tracking with you. But this one seems out of bounds. How are we blessed if we are persecuted for righteousness? Notice he doesn't say, blessed are you when you're persecuted because you're a jerk. Because some of y'all have been uh, encountering uh, disrespect thrown at you because you just, you, you thrown disrespect at other people in the name of Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about when, when you are uh, being a jerk. Here's my, here's my application for that and, and what you should, you know, kind of call on you to action on that. Um, in response, if you are just a habitual jerk, don't. Don't do that. Okay? But we're talking about blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Um, okay, so a couple things. Earlier, when we, when we started in this uh, series called Apprenticing Under Jesus, where we looked at the Beatitudes, in verse 3 we read, and if you have your Bible in front of you, you can see this, Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What we talked about is that, that Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you are desperate for God, where you are completely dependent of God. Um, I'm a strong, independent woman, you know, like, I, but no, you're, I'm a strong, dependent man or woman on God. That, that is what he's saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I thought you would laugh at the whole strong, independent woman. I guess not. Maybe I said it too quick. Uh, we'll, we'll just put that in the bag. We won't bring it out again. Okay. But, but the, the, the cool thing about that verse and this verse is, is the, 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 re, the reward for our blessing is both present tense. All the other ones were like, okay, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It would would be future tense. These ones are present tense. And the promise is that the kingdom of heaven is yours now. And that's that's a game changer. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But I want to just revisit the word righteousness because that is a word that we don't often use, right? Blessed are are, are those who are persecuted for righteousness for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, righteousness is a somewhat complex word. Uh, three weeks ago, I believe it was, we talked about what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, so some of you remember that. And what I, what I did was I tried to posture this in righteousness in two ways, in two angles, because it's, it's a very, um, rich word. So righteousness in some ways is, is our status before God. Um, because this is what Jesus did, right? He came down, uh, God the Son came down to earth, dwelt among us, and lived a perfect life, and then went to the cross to pay for our sins, even though he never sinned. What, what Mike read earlier, right? He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Um, so Jesus lived a perfect life, and on the cross, there was a great exchange that happened. On the cross, he went there and was nailed to it, and he gave us his perfection, and in response, he took our sin. So, so when you surrender to Jesus, your status before God, become, it goes from being an enemy of his to being a child of his who's righteous because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. So he lived the life that none of us could live. He was perfect. He kept the law in all of its perfection. He, he never sinned once. But you and I have sinned every day of our lives. And so when we come before God, we are guilty of sinning against the holy God. And so God, because he loves us, sent Jesus to die for us, to rescue us from our own demise. And so he gave us his perfection. So when we stand before God, our status before God is of someone who has kept the law perfectly, even though we didn't. But he gave that to us as a gift. He imputed his righteousness to us. He credited it to our account. So you, you accountants, you might know that word. Um, but if you don't, you can Google it later and we can talk about it if you want. So, so our status before God through Jesus is righteous. We, we are in a right relationship with the Lord. Also, righteousness is, is, is another way. But before I get to that, let me just say that there will be times. Maybe you didn't know this when you signed up to follow Jesus, but I'm going to just let you in on it. So those of you who are maybe not sure if you want to follow Jesus, I just, you just need to know the full story. Okay. Here's reality. Simply because you, you say, I'm a Christian, simply because you follow Jesus, simply because you said that he is king, I am not, I'm going to follow him more than I'm going to follow anything else in this world, simply because of your faith in Jesus, some people will not like you. Not because you did anything to them. Again, if you were a jerk, then that's not why they don't like you, you know. But, but some, simply because of your faith, some people just won't like you. And, and that's a, a hard pill to swallow. Because some of us, most of us, all of us, we like to be liked. Who doesn't like that? 
But sometimes there will be people who simply because of your faith, they don't like you. And and Jesus is going to speak to that. But also uh, righteousness is about our actions too. It's about pursuing, I I gave you this definition, uh, righteousness is pursuing God's ends by God's means, right? It's, it's, it's wanting what God wants and going about doing that in, in a way that honors Him. Some people, right, like we, oh, we want God's uh, kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven, and I'm gonna do it in a worldly way, and, and, and we're gonna accomplish what God wants to accomplish. If you go about trying to do something that you believe is what God wants you to do, but you do it in a way that is more uh, in line with the devil, then you are not serving Jesus, you're serving Him, the devil. So, so we are to be righteous. So what happens is we surrender to Jesus. He changes our status with God. And then the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and then starts to change who we are little by little from the inside out. So you as a follower of Jesus at 60 should look more like Jesus than you did at 40. You as a follower of Jesus should be more like Jesus at 30 than you were at 15. More like Jesus at 18 than you were at 13. We, we are to be growing perpetually in the, in the image of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. That's why he wants to grow his fruit in us. Love and joy and peace and patience. All the things that Jesus was in its fullness. That is who we are to be. So when you start to do things in a righteous way, when you start to live in a way that honors him, then you may face some opposition just simply because you are seeking to follow him. And it's something we need to understand. So Jesus says, hey, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In Acts chapter 5, this is really like it became very common to the apostles. Um, By the way, the apostles, all of them, uh, were killed because of their faith. All of them. Well, John, let me say this. John was the original main character on Castaway. Not Tom Hanks. You know, Wilson! You know, like, John was excommunicated to an island to, to live by himself. Totally isolated. I don't think he had Wilson, but he had the Holy Spirit, and God gave him a vision. That's where we get the book of Revelation, is in, in the middle of him being excommunicated from society. So all of the apostles died... Because of their faith, because they were following Jesus. Before all that happened, in the book of Acts, so Jesus has, um, he's died, he's risen from the grave, and then he went before his apostles and says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So go and be my witnesses. So the, the, the apostles um, and, and Jesus' disciples, they were um, given the Holy Spirit and they started preaching. And as things went on, so people started responding. They were starting to declare, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who's the promised one. He's the one you need to serve and to surrender to. He's the one you've been waiting for. So as they're going about society and preaching the good news of Jesus, the Jewish leaders took offense to that because they were starting to build momentum in, in, their, um, in their, their, their influence on the Jewish people. So they had these apostles uh, arrested for preaching Jesus. So they were just simply telling people about Jesus. Uh, what, what, what I'm doing right now, what you do uh, at work with a coworker, where you're, where you're sharing your faith, you're praying for someone, you're reading the Bible together, um, you would, they, they got arrested for stuff like that. 
And so they were brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the high Jew, Jewish court, all of the elites of the Jewish world, all of the people who were um, in the, the high proximities of power, brought them in and were questioning the apostles. So they say, well, you, you need to stop preaching Jesus. And so the apostles were like, hold up. No, like, you, you want me to listen to you? I'm going to listen to God. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So the, 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 the apostles were like, no, we're going to keep preaching Jesus. And so they were like, okay, go, go over there. We're going to talk about this. And so the Sanhedrin, um, these, these smart guys who were leaders in the Jewish world, um, had a conversation. We're like, hey, you know, um, what, what do we do? Because they're out here pre- preaching Jesus. If we arrest them and keep them arrested, then there's going to be riots in the streets. Because these guys were politicians. They were, they were trying to maneuver. What is the public sentiment toward these people? And, and we're going to align our actions alongside of the public sentiment. Um, and, and if we want to do something, we've got to change public sentiment before we do that. Because otherwise it's going to be our heads. So they decided, you know what, we're not going to keep them arrested. But we're going we're gonna to make sure they understand how serious we are. So they had them come back in. They flogged them. So they, they whipped them and beat them. The, all the apostles were bloodied and beaten simply because they were preaching Jesus. And they said, go and do not speak about Jesus anymore. Can you imagine being one of these apostles? Being someone who has seen the risen Lord. You are convinced that he is king, that he is the Messiah. He was actually dead, and now the dude's alive. Like, And then we saw him go to the throne room in heaven. We've got to tell people about it. He told us to do it, right? But, but then you face that kind of ridicule and opposition. Your back is bloodied. Like you are, you are beaten in the same way Jesus was beaten before he carried the cross up to Golgotha and, be, and, and was crucified. So you are bloodied. You got, you're going to have scars that, that, you can, that you can look at for the rest of your life if you, if you have a long life. And now what do you do? You leave there. And, and many of us, right, we, we would probably be like, this is wild. Like, what do we do? I, seriously, wait, obviously we can't keep doing what we were doing. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to die for this? Like, a lot of us would be questioning. Like, we got to go. We got to go, and we'll just become closet Christians. Like, we won't. We won't be telling people about our faith. Like, we'll we'll try and be secretive about it. But I don't know that we can keep doing what we've been doing. That's not what the apostles did. Like, they were built different, y'all, than us, because these these guys, after being flogged and beaten, simply because they were preaching the faith of Jesus. They went out and rejoiced that they were worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. They're built different. Some of us, we get ridiculed because someone makes fun of us about our faith in Jesus and it throws us for a loop for a week. Right? They, they, were, they were different. And what kind of things had to be different in their mind and in their heart for them to be willing to respond to opposition in that way? Their values, their value system had to be completely altered to where they saw that Jesus was the source of their blessing above all else and that they didn't need to have uh, approval from people. They were seeking the approval of God. And Jesus, he was speaking to those same guys who would later do that. So they obviously got the picture. But it wasn't before, it wasn't until after they had saw, saw Jesus risen from the grave that they actually had the courage to go and do that because before that they were hiding and scared because they saw their king get crucified. So, so what I'm saying is like God's still working even if you wouldn't be at that point where you would be willing to give your life for the faith. 
uh, God's still working in you. And, and, and so like they were confronted with these moments that Jesus said, hey, you're blessed when this happens. And they responded to that with rejoicing, which is just wild to think about. So verse 10, again, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Friends, there's, there's so much benefit to understanding that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is present at this moment in time. And that if you follow Jesus, if you surrender to him, then you are part of a different kingdom than this world. We are brought into the kingdom of God. We are rescued from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of uh, God's son. And we are now presently enjoying the kingdom of heaven if you surrendered and follow Jesus. And here's why this is so significant. Those who have the kingdom of heaven, they number one, they are protected because they have a king. They are protected because they have a king. What can someone do to someone who has a king who holds not just this life in his hands, but eternal life in his hands? The the devil can't take away what God has given you. So, So those who have the kingdom of heaven, they are protected because they have a king. Number two, they are blessed because they have a home. You're blessed because you have a home. All this yearning and searching for trying to find belonging, you are blessed because you have a home, because you are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven if you follow Jesus. And number three, they are fortunate because you have a family. If the kingdom of heaven is yours, you're not just, you didn't just get saved from hell. You have been brought into a family, into the household of God. And now the the father that you have, he is the king of the universe. And you are welcome into his presence in the throne room of grace. And you can come boldly in there because you are now a child of his. Like you're just going to dad. So you can always pray. No matter how small or minuscule you think the thing that you're praying about is, you can go to him with it. How many of you parents, right? Grandparents. You remember? When the kids, something happened. And it's not that big of a deal. But it is to them, right? It is to them. Like you see the bigger picture. But what do you do? You don't be like, well, hopefully you didn't. Like get over it. It's not that big of a deal, you know? I'm, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry. And I can see because we see that it's a big deal to them. And, and, and we meet, we get to meet our kid in that moment and give them comfort. Even though, it's, it, hey, it's not going to be a big deal when they're 20, right? Hopefully. But, but it's a big deal to them now. So you don't just dismiss them if you're having a good moment as a parent. If you have a good moment as a parent, you're, you love them, you embrace them. And you say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Why? I'm with you. And so anytime, like you've got something, you can go to the Lord because you've been welcomed into his family. Your heavenly father loves you like that. And guess what? He doesn't have bad days. Us parents, oh, y'all, we had some bad days, right? Oh, we had some bad moments like, oh, no. Like, Lord, please don't let me screw these kids up so bad. You know, like, please, please make up for my mistakes. Can I get an amen? Okay. All right. I'm not the only one. All right. Good. Um, the Lord doesn't have bad days. But the question that you might be asking or wondering it's the question I was wondering, so I'll bring it up to you and we'll walk through it together. Is like, what is the kind of persecution that Jesus had in mind here? Like, what, what is it? Like, what, is, what does it look like? What is, what is persecution? Can we, can we talk about that? Um, because that, that's a big question, right? Like, 
what is it? What is he describing? As, as I said, all the apostles, they were killed because of their faith. I'd say that's persecution. <laughs> not, not because they were mean, but because they followed Jesus. That's persecution. Uh, or, or like the, a woman named Deborah Samuel. She's, um, lives, lived in Nigeria. And Nigeria is one of these countries where um, at this rate in time, at this point in time, the, the rate in which Christians are killed simply because of their faith is one every two hours. I, I was in seminary um, with a classmate of mine, and I believe he was from Nigeria. Um, and he was sharing one week, he was sharing about his family and his village, um, and things just kind of heating up with uh, Islamic extremists. And um, the, the next week, um, I remember him telling that there was an attack on one of the churches and that um, people with AK-47s were standing outside of a church as they walked out simply because they were worshiping and proclaiming the name of Jesus just like we are today together. And they walked out to their death because they hated them because of their faith. But, but Deborah Samuel, like this is a, a young woman, she was 19, and she was in, in school and uh, there was an assignment and there was this like uh, group chat thing going on and she got a good grade on the assignment and her classmates were asking like, hey, how did you, how did you do that? Because it must have been a hard assignment. And she accredited her, her score and, and her accomplishment to Jesus. And because she wouldn't take that back, she was stoned to death and her body set on fire simply because she proclaimed Jesus. Um, that's persecution. If, if anything's persecution, that's persecution. But then the question is like, okay, what about us here in America? Are we being persecuted? And I know like some of you who would say absolutely yes, have plenty of things that you could point to. Um, I would say this, maybe, yes, maybe, but not at all like that. Not at all like that. Uh, maybe you've, you've experienced some ridicule, maybe even some insults because of your faith. Maybe you've experienced some people um, posturing, not, do, not willing to do business with you because of your faith. Maybe, maybe you've experienced some kind of pressure to do something that you know would go against the righteousness of God. Um, I'll, I'll grant you that maybe that's a very, 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 very soft form of persecution. But that's nothing like what the Bible talks about. So that doesn't mean that it can't happen one day. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't be ridiculed for your faith. So the, the better question than uh, are we experiencing that here today, the better question is what should we do if we ever do experience it? Right? And so Jesus goes on in verses 11 and 12, and this is what he says about this. He says, you are blessed. So, so it's not just like, hey, blessed are those people who are persecuted, you know, the people over there that we kind of think about theoretically. No, no, no. He says, you. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <laughs> you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. You're blessed when you're insulted, persecuted, and slandered because of Jesus. Again, we're not talking about uh, you're, you're blessed because you're insulted, 
uh, persecuted or slandered because you were doing that to them. No, no, we're talking about being blessed because these things are happening to you because of your faith, because of your dedication to pursue righteousness in every walk of life. Um, you see, but the problem is all of us have desires that are good desires um, on the surface. And yet they, they create barriers to us actually living this out. To actually having our response not be retaliation but rejoicing, we've got some barriers that get in between us and actually doing that. So here are three desires that, that we have as human beings that can make this difficult. Number one, we all have a desire to be safe. Right? We, like, we want to be safe. If we had a choice, like, obviously, we would rather still be breathing. We have a desire to be safe, to be cared for, to be loved. We have a desire to be safe. Number two, we have a desire to belong. Uh, we want to be a part of a group. We want to par- be a part of something bigger than us. We are created with a desire for community. Even those introverts, you, you still got to have some people, you know. Number three, we have a desire to be liked by people. And I know some of you are like, I don't care what people think of me. The reason you say that is because you're just wrestling with that reality. So we we have a desire to be safe. We have a desire to belong. We have a desire to be liked by people. Um, If we are being insulted, persecuted, and slandered because of our faith, um, we might want to take a step back. That that would be our, our temptation. Our temptation would be like, okay, I'm not going to be as on fire for Jesus um, because I don't want to keep going down this road because this is not fun, right? It's not like, please don't hear me say, hey, you should, because you're blessed when you're persecuted, go out there and look for ways to be persecuted. Yay. That's not what we're talking about. But if it ever does happen, this is what Jesus is trying to prepare us for. Right? He's our master and we are his apprentice. He's trying to usher us into the kingdom of heaven in the way that the kingdom people of God would do things. Think about it like this, right? Like we, we've seen uh, examples of the apostles, right? The apostles all died because of their faith or were excommunicated um, simply because they followed Jesus. And we can see this as an example from the prophets as, as Jesus points to, like the prophets were persecuted and all they were doing was speaking the words of the Lord. And yet they were ridiculed because of it. And many people didn't follow him. Like, man, poor Jeremiah. If you ever read Jeremiah, if you're ever depressed and you want to be more depressed, read Jeremiah. It's just awesome. Especially as a church leader, it's like nobody listened to him. Yeah, I hear preaching. Ain't nobody listening. And yet the Lord called him to that. <laughs> when you think, oh, what, what does success look like in the kingdom of God? It ain't always up and to the right. It ain't always bigger is better. Just remember that. It's about faithfulness. But this can happen in small ways too. Let's just say you're at, you're at work or you're at school. Um, or if those of you who are retired, just remember back when you're at work. Or if you're with some friends uh, you know, at coffee or whatever. All right, so we have a desire to be safe, to belong, to be liked by people, right? But there's this group. They're the gossip group. They're kind of sharing their stuff, right? And, and there's nothing that, that can make you feel more unified with some people on a short-term basis as having a common enemy. Oh, well, if you knew what I heard about them too, mm-hmm, oh, aren't we so good together? That's great. Right? That ain't going to go a good place, right? Uh, by the way, so, all right, you're in that space. You got a group of people gossiping. 
you're, you're kind of on the, the exterior of that, but you like being liked. And, and maybe for some of you, like you don't feel like you belong. You're still looking for your, your crew, your people, and, and you would love to be a part of that crew, group of people. I mean, but, but also you follow Jesus, so it's kind of complicated because you know that, that, that gossip ain't godly. That should be a, a bumper sticker, y'all. Gossip ain't godly. And so you know that, like, I shouldn't participate in this. I know. I shouldn't. I got some opinions, though. I can share them. <laughs> uh, but you know that the Lord ain't going to honor that. He ain't going to be like, good for you. You know, he's like, are you for real right now? Um, just like you did with your kid who just kept doing the same thing after you told him not to. Right. Um, but the, the, there's a temptation there. The temptation is like, if I participate, I could be brought into the group. But I know I'm not supposed to do that because gossip ain't godly. That ain't something that the Lord um, looks at as a positive way. Like he puts that in the same realm of sin as like idolatry. So it ain't a good thing. Um, but you kind of want to be a part of that. And so then there's that temptation. This happens in a small way. So what happens though, if you participate, all of us have been had moments where we did something to be kind of a part of a group that we later regretted. Right? And we looked at it like, why did I do that? That, that was not worth it. <laughs> but let's say, okay. Let's, let's choose the righteous way. What happens? Well, how are you going to handle that when they say, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, Brandon, come on, come on. Hey, have you heard about blah, 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 down the road? And you know where it's going. What do you do if you say, well, I'm, have you talked to them? Because if, if not, like, I don't want to talk to you about it. Like, you need to go talk to them about it. If you tried that, like, hey, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not interested in being a part of this. Y'all, we need to stop doing this. It's not healthy. What happens to that? Then now the enemy that they're gossiping about, now they turn and they turn on you. And it could be just in little small ways, right? Like, oh, look at you, goody two-shoes, right? Back in middle school, we would acting like we're middle schoolers and, you know, and we're 50 or 60. Um, or, oh, look at you, righteous person. Oh, or they just say, you know what? We're not going to hang out with them. We're not going to invite them, you know, after work. We're not going to invite them over. We're not going to hang out with them. We're not going to talk to them, give them the cold shoulder, that kind of thing. Uh, what happens when you pursue righteousness sometimes is that things don't work out in the way that you would hope it would. And, and so it's, it happens in like big ways, being martyred for the faith. But it can also happen in small ways like that. Where then you have a, a, a decision like, okay, am I going to follow after Jesus in this moment because it's going to be hard and awkward? Or am I just going to follow and sin and then later regret it? And so all of us have to make those decisions on a daily basis. But like... Think about it. How much does a person's value system have to change in order to rejoice about being when you're slandered and insulted and persecuted? Your value system has to completely change. And this is what Jesus is trying to do is say, hey, you're blessed. You're, you, you, are, you, you are benefiting in some way when this stuff happens. This is not reason to lose all hope. It's reason to rejoice. Why? Because we are joining in what Jesus has done ahead of us. I'll read it again. 11 through 12, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Y'all, we rejoice when we experience these things because of our faith in Jesus, because of who we know Jesus to be. And never forget this, y'all, never forget this. The gate of the kingdom of heaven is at the end of a road that often has rest stops of suffering and ridicule. I'm going to say that again. Follow me. The, king, the gate of the kingdom of heaven is, is at the end of a road 
that often has rest stops of suffering and ridicule. If you were, were sold this idea of this combination of, of the American dream and following Jesus and you tried to mold it together and you started to believe that everything with following Jesus is supposed to be up and to the right. It's always supposed to be great. It's always like, oh, that's why I'm supposed to be happy all the time and, 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 and just so positive. Um, and everything's supposed to work out because God has a plan for me and, and I, and I know it's going to be, uh, all, it's going to be more money. It's going to be uh, more influence. It's going to be having perfect kids. It's going to have a perfect marriage without needing to work on it. It's going to be so amazing and so perfect. You were sold a wrong bill of goods. Like you were sold something that is a lie. And what he's trying to say, what Jesus is showing us, is that y'all, this world, you don't have any guarantees of, of it being always happy. Because we live in a world that lacks peace often. However, here's what you can count on. You can count on peace inside of you, even in the midst of a world like this. Not because you're finding peace in the stuff, or in the people, or in the things around you. But simply because you changed your way of thinking, and you surrendered to Jesus as your ultimate source of blessing and your ultimate source of peace. We have peace that goes beyond understanding because we follow the Prince of Peace. He's the one we hope in. So even when things get tough here, we follow him in the way he did things. So remember those three desires that oftentimes get in our way? We have a desire to be safe. Well, this is what Jesus offers us. We have a desire to be safe, but you are protected because you have a king. So so he knows it. He sees it. You're protected because you have a king. You have a desire to be safe. He's making you safe. We have a desire to belong. Well, you're blessed because you have a home. Because of Jesus, you have a home. We, We have a desire to be liked by people. Well, you're fortunate because you have a family. That you, were, you didn't just come to Jesus and get your get out of hell free card uh, and, and then you could just go live your life. You are brought into the family of God so that you can be part of each other's lives. So you can go to them when you when you got something to mourn about. You can have some people who are going to be willing to mourn with you. When you've got something to celebrate, you've got people to go around to and celebrate with you. That's the kind of thing we've got. So Jesus knows our desires, and yet he meets them in a way that only he can. Y'all, we got to let Jesus be our ultimate source of blessing. Remember this. If we are disrespected... We think about retaliating before we think about rejoicing. But Jesus invites us to choose the same path he chose. Righteousness, no matter the cost. Like a lot of us, our our default is if we're disrespected, we want to retaliate with our words, with our actions, with, with ignoring them, pushing them out, ridicule them, spreading gossip about them. Uh, that's what we want to do. But instead of doing that, what we can do instead is rejoice because we follow Jesus doing the same path, going about the same path that he chose. And that was righteousness, no matter the cost. Here's our fundamental issue as followers of Jesus in America today. We forget the cross too easily. We forget the cross too easily. 
Y'all, we follow a crucified king who could have demolished all of his enemies in one fell swoop and you and I would have been one of them. And yet instead what he did is he gave up all of his power in a way to show ultimate power and that is to give his life for the sake of all of us who were enemies of his. He went to the cross willingly giving his life for the sake of his enemies. That is what the cross does. We have to remember when we're dealing with people who are difficult, who don't love us back, we follow the king who loved people to the point of death on a cross even the ones who didn't love him. He died on the cross for the people who are nailing him to it. We follow the king who is crucified. We may not ever, we will not ever follow Jesus into all that he has for us if we forget the cross. We must remember we follow a crucified king, which means that we influence people, we love people, not by exuding power and lording it over them, but by loving them with grace and truth, no matter the cost to us. We are so self-consumed in our society and we need to be set free from that as that's what Jesus is trying to do for us. I heard this just recently. The only person who doesn't have a Messiah complex, all of us have a Messiah complex, and yet the only one who didn't was the Messiah himself. All of us are so self-consumed, and the one who had a reason to be, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, and he's the one who created all of it, he could take credit, and he's got some trophies to show for it. He's the one who decided to give everything up for you. So we, we see ourselves as blessed for when, when people persecute us because of righteousness, because we follow the king who was persecuted because of his righteousness. And and we we follow the one who went to the cross to give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven through his suffering. So if we suffer for righteousness, we may we need not be demoralized because of it, but we can step into what God has for us and we trust him through it that even when we suffer, he's doing something greater. And we can still walk in this life with peace and joy, and love, and gentleness, and goodness, and self-control, and faithfulness, and all those, we can walk with those things in us and emanating from us simply because we follow Jesus, not because the world has, uh, has combined a bunch of conditions for us to be happy. So let me say it again, just remind you, If we are disrespected, we think about retaliating before we think about rejoicing. But Jesus invites us to choose the same path he chose, righteousness, no matter the cost. It all begins with saying yes to Jesus, to follow him, to surrender to him. And he will give you a life of abundance. It just may not be the kind of measure of abundance that you may have bought into in the American dream. It may be something different, something real, something deep, something fulfilling. But you have to follow him. You have to surrender to him. And for those of you who have surrendered to him, friend, we don't know what the future holds. But here's what we do know. We know the one who holds the future. So hold on to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we a lot of times have a hard time with passages like this because it 
it sets us up to see that this world in all of its beauty, in all of its goodness, in all of its complexities can also be a place where things don't always work out the way we hoped. That, that sometimes, even though we, we want what's best for people, even though we love them and want them to experience hope in you, um, when we express that to them, sometimes they may turn on us. And it could be for a number of reasons. Maybe they were hurt by the church. Maybe they, maybe they had a hard time growing up. God, help us to have that kind of heart where we have awareness of the Imago Dei in every, per, every single person, the image of God in every person. God, you created each human being with care and love and help us, God, to, to respond to people who are, who are maybe insulting us or persecuting us or ridiculing us or slandering us. Please help us to respond to them in the way that you responded to us when we were rebelling against you. We need your heart. We need you to change us, God. We need you to change our value system. We need you to rewrite and reframe our experiences so that we can see the goodness of you all throughout it. Hear us as we sing to you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.